0: Welcome in everybody to the flagship podcast. We are live on draft day. I am chip Brown. Florence247.com joined by the managing editor Florence 24 seven Taylor Estes. And you are watching, listening to the flagship podcast. Uh, we welcome you in. It is a Thursday. It's NFL draft day and Taylor Uh, This, uh, we got a lot to get into, obviously. Um, The talking season for Steve Sarkeesian has begun.
1: Yeah.
0: He's on the, uh, he's on the barnstorming circuit talking about the Texas Longhorns. Uh, I was in Houston yesterday for the kickoff of, of talking season and Steve Sarkeesian had, uh, well, let's just say he's bullish on the Longhorns. We will definitely get to that and uh, Arch Manning zero NIL dollars. We'll get into that, uh, his assessment of his quarterback situation. Um, but let's start with Bijan Robinson, because let's be honest, this podcast will be outdated by the time, you know, most people listen to it since the draft is tonight.
1: Listen back to it. The live viewers will get it live, but listen back exactly. to it. Yeah. <laughs> That's right.
0: We have live viewers right now. In fact, they're already, uh, Commenting, someone wants to know who the second team punter is. Um, <laughs> love that, Drew. But um, this is embarrassing for Texas. And thanks to Bijan Robinson, this embarrassing factoid is going to end. But Texas has not had an offensive player selected in the first round of the NFL draft since Vince Young went number three overall in 2006. Taylor that's 17 yeah. years.
1: Yeah. Basically when Bijan Robinson was 4 years old that was the last time that Texas had a first round pick on offense in the NFL draft and it's wild to think that way. I mean like I've known this, you know, we we've talked about this over the years in covering Texas but when I've been pre-writing a lot of the articles for Bijan when he does get drafted it still blows my mind, Chip, that Texas football could be in a position to where not a single offensive player since that Longhorn legend Vince Young, you know, made Texas football really a household name nationwide, if not worldwide, honestly, with that game in the 05 BCS National Championship. He goes on to be the first-round draft pick. And then it's like, if you want to know what's happened to Texas football since those glory years, there you go. I mean, that's it's wild to me. I mean, there have been a couple of guys, you know, Sam uh, Cosme and Connor, Uh, Williams were kind of on the fringe offensive players that could go in the first round. They didn't, they went early in the second round, but it's just so insane to me that a place like the university of Texas has not had an offensive player drafted in the first round, but let's be honest. So you went from one longhorn legend to the next, that's going to be the next one that is drafted because even though, you know, maybe the, awards the accolades maybe weren't there at texas bijan robinson is without a doubt a generational type of talent um a lot of nfl draft experts have said that he is a top you know five prospect overall regardless of of position nfl doesn't value um running backs as much when it comes to draft picks so his draft pick you know spot is not going to reflect how elite of a talent it is but this is just crazy to me chip i mean um Your thoughts on you've covered Texas every year since then. Your thoughts on the fact that it's been that long.
0: Yeah. Well, thanks to Connor Williams. He ended another embarrassing drought for Texas. They, they did not have the Longhorns did not have an offensive lineman drafted in seven rounds of the NFL draft, uh, from 2008 to 2018, Connor Williams ended that drought. That's embarrassing beyond belief. And if you want to know why Texas has been out at sea um, on a dinghy waiting for a freighter to pass by and bring them back to college football relevance, those are a couple of the reasons. But back to Bijan Robinson, this guy, Taylor, I mean, I'll just start with uh, the fact that Gary Patterson. Former TCU head coach, special assistant at Texas, assisting the defense last year, uh, told me that Bijan Robinson reminds him of Ladainian Tomlinson, former Horn Frog, Ladainian Tomlinson, who is number seven rushing all time in NFL history, a Pro Football Hall of Famer, by the way, and number three uh, among running backs in receptions in NFL history. And that's why Gary Patterson thinks Bijan Robinson is a good comparison to LaDainian Tomlinson because he thinks that Bijan Robinson is not only a, a gifted runner, um, but has the hands that LaDainian Tomlinson had uh, to be just a versatile nightmare for, for opponents. Um, And Bijan's a little, he's built a little different than LaDaini. just a little thicker. Um, and so, you know, that contact balance that Bijan Robinson has uh, up to this point in his career has been off the charts. I mean, the scouts I've talked to have said, that's what impresses you the most, that side tackles don't bring him down, that he usually doesn't go down on first contact. And has the nimble feet to make spin moves and and not take the big hit that can tend to end a running back's career prematurely. You know, you look at the great backs at Texas: um, Ricky Williams, Cedric Benson, God God rest his soul. Um, you know, um, Earl Campbell, Priest Holmes, Jamal Charles, and. You know, Bijan Robinson has a chance to have a better pro career than all those guys. Now he finished behind Ricky Williams, Cedric Benson, and Earl Campbell um, as far as rushing at Texas. But he only played three seasons. Those right. three backs I just mentioned played four. Um, he's really probably more of a comp for Jamal Charles, who played only three seasons. And of course, Bijan passed Jamal Charles uh, this last season to get into that number four rushing spot. And Jamal Charles is a guy who uh, could catch the football and had a prolific career. He's the all-time leading rusher for the Kansas city chiefs. And so, you know, when you're talking about Bijan Robinson, I think you're right. I mean, we, we get a little, you know, ahead of ourselves sometimes when we say he's a transcendent talent, he's a generational talent, but I think he is. And I think you're right. So it's going to be fun. Now you got to have, you got to be blessed with health. You got to be blessed with um, longevity, probably the same thing as health, but it also helps to be on a team that has some consistency that has some, you know, foundational strength. You look at guys like Emmett Smith and, you know, Walter Payton, Ladanian Tomlinson, who spent most of his career with the then San Diego chargers Emmett Smith, his whole career with well, not his whole career, um, but most of his career with a really talented Dallas Cowboys team um, that that valued the the running game in a play action passing game. And and so that's that's going to be a huge part of it. And and that's going to be fun to watch because, um, you know, Ezekiel Elliott was a high draft pick for the Cowboys and. Taylor 7 years into his NFL career people are saying he's done and mm-hmm. and that's you know he was the fourth pick overall that uh that can happen now i think Bijan is a little bit more uh disciplined in the way that he approaches his life his his you know taking care of his body and that's a lot to say as a kid you know 3 years coming out of college than Ezekiel Elliott. I think Ezekiel Elliott has enjoyed his life uh, as an NFL star and, and it takes a lot of discipline. You know, the, the college coaches, Steve Sarkeesian talks all the time, be a professional in Mm -hmm. college, the way you treat your body, the way you prepare. Jordan Whittington has talked about it, going from eating pints of ice cream a night to now going in to meet with the trainer hours ahead of practice to get all of his stretching in and and to take care of his body to make sure that he's healthy and on the field. And I think I think Bijan Robinson is that kind of guy. So we'll see. But he's he's gonna he also represents a big name and a shiny uh, emblem for Texas in recruiting Taylor. We know that recruits only remember the last five minutes. And so having a guy like Bijan Robinson going into the NFL uh, with a chance to become a star uh, will certainly help Texas in recruiting and and you know end that that negative recruiting that don't go play offense at Texas. They, those guys don't get drafted.
1: Right. Yeah, for sure. And, and Sark did it in a – or, you know, this is a good not saying that Sark did it. Obviously, Tom Herman and his staff did recruit B. John Robinson. However, this is a good um, mark to add to Sark's list. I mean, this is a short – period of time that he's been at Texas and he already will have a first round draft pick to point to previous coaches at Texas have had to kind of point back to prior issues that they're trying to correct when they're in the recruiting, um, you know, in a recruits house or talking about developing them into potential first round draft picks. They, this is something Sark can now point to. Um, And, you know, when you talk about, I saw there's a question Here from CTE 11, any chance Bijan drops to the Cowboys in mentioning Ezekiel Elliott, um, Chip, you know, I think that's one of the reasons why some NFL draft, you know, GMs or NFL, you know, GMs front office people have kind of devalued the running back position because of what you said about Ezekiel Elliott now obviously the Cowboys do not have Ezekiel Elliott now and I would say to CTE11 if Bijan Robinson at number 26 is available to the Cowboys and they don't pick him I would say if you're a Cowboys fan just jump out the window at that point. I mean my goodness because if you get a guy like Bijan Robinson where all of these NFL, you know, insiders, analysts, even front office GMs know that he is one of the top 5 best overall prospects in this draft regardless of position if somehow he slides to 26 and it's a guy who does not have off the field issues that would lead to anything like that doesn't have injury history is very minimally used never carried the ball for more than I think he said what he never had 20 carries even in high school took him you know only a few games at Texas with 20 carries if that's on the board at 26 and Jerry Jones doesn't swipe him up then you might need no a mental chance. health check. No, I mean like no Yeah, chance. like he's he's not gonna be on the board, like right. I, the I'm worried. He's <laughs> gonna go to yeah. the well,
0: anyway. What this again, a lot of people will be hearing this after the draft, but um there's no chance that no. he he's there at twenty-six, he'll be gone in the top ten. And um, of course, if he ends up with the Philadelphia Eagles, Cowboys fans are gonna be sick to their stomach.
1: Yeah, um, well, and Bijan did come out. Yes. I believe it was on Wednesday, I think. It was this week. Somebody um he was in an interview and someone asked him about the um either I think the quarterback he wanted to play with yeah, Jalen Hurts. He was like Jalen Hurts. So oh, he's he's only talking. just like feeding the fans. So that's that, we talking you know. the Eagles.
0: There's no question about it. I mean, yeah. if he goes to the Eagles, Taylor, he could be playing for a Super Bowl mm-hmm. next year. The running back from Texas, the Cowboys need to focus on is Roshan Johnson. Yeah. Um there's your thunder to, uh, to Tony Pollard's lightning and and a guy who will help you in every way, special teams, locker room. We'll, he's going to be a 10-year NFL player. Just write it down. And uh, that's that's the guy the Cowboys need to draft as the heir apparent to Ezekiel Elliott. They have franchised Tony Pollard. Great, no problem there. Um, but Roshan Johnson you're not going to get a better uh, professional and a guy who's really still scratching the surface as a running back after moving from quarterback um, his freshman year at Texas. So uh, there's my two cents on the Cowboys, Taylor, <laughs> anything else on, on Bijan?
1: Um, no, I, th- I mean, we've, we've talked at lanes. I think anybody that has watched or listened to the flagship podcast knows how highly we think of Bijan Robinson, both as a you know a talent, obviously an elite talent, and also the way he carried himself off the field. Those are little things that we don't necessarily talk about when we talk about players because we see one side and we don't see them a lot of times in their personal life. But all all stories about Bijan Robinson are all the same, and it's all that this. If if there was you know, it's what Jeremy Hill said prior to the 2022 uh, football season. If all players in the NFL were the same type of like off field character that Bijan Robinson was, there would never be off the field issues in the NFL because that's the type of kitty. So I hope he goes as high as possible. I hope, I hope he enters the top 10. I would love to see that um, just because, you know, I think he he's somebody who could answer and provide a spark both as a running back, kind of like a Christian McCaffrey, I would say a little bit and not just as an elite running back, but elite with the ball in his hands in the passing game you can use him in a variety of ways i mean somebody's going to get a steal i would say for this this type of talent
0: yeah and he's like i say he's constructed differently he's got thickness to him that is going to help i mean look adrian peterson is is top 5 rusher is a top 5 rusher all time uh, in the nfl and having that bigger body that that muscular thickness it matters at the running back position. Bijan Robinson has it, and, and he's got the nimble feet to avoid taking the big hit. If he just doesn't try to hurdle someone, Taylor, and then get scorpioned like he did his freshman year at Texas Tech, I think this guy has a chance to have a long um, and healthy career and it's going to be really fun to watch he's he's going to be a guy he already is a guy I mean he's already do he's already with USAA the guy's got deals coming out of his deals because he's worth listening to he's worth following he's worth you know buying the products that he endorses I bought Bijan Mustardson it took a month to arrive (laughs) you know when I ordered it and I'll buy more because that nice little horseradish to it. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Yeah. But um, I don't, I still don't get the writing that he did on the inside of the carton, but it's hilarious. And I love it. It, It's kind of keep Austin weird. Like, but anyway. Well, and
1: if if he can still keep avoiding tackles, I mean, he, he led the country with 113 missed tackles forced last season that only adds to his longevity as a running back, and that goes to show that he he hasn't been hit too many times. He's not he's not battered and bruised as a you know with how much he contributed to the Texas offense. This is not a guy who's you know um, the yardage is showing in in his body or anything like that.
0: Yeah, no no doubt about it. Um, all right, Steve Sarkisian uh, has started talking season, so he kicked things off at the. Touchdown Club of Houston on Wednesday, and I went down to the Bayou of Bayou Event Center, and um, Steve Sarkeesian is, you know, talking openly, publicly about how his players uh, expect to win a Big 12 Championship this season. He he must have mentioned it five times in in his uh, 45 minutes of talking to the uh, touchdown club of Houston uh, talked about how Texas won the conference championship in their final year, of the Southwest conference before going to the big 12 and how, you know, they'd like to do that again uh, in their final year, of the big 12 before going to the sec. Uh, and then it, the very final question of the luncheon was how about an over under on wins? for the season. And Sark said, you tell me, I feel good about it. So Taylor, um, you know, Steve Sarkeesian, I I, I love that he has come in with a championship mentality. I've said before here on the flagship podcast that, you know, he was brought in to match wits with Lincoln Riley, but Sark was telling people privately, we're going to build this program in the image of, the SEC and and he's done it with the the behemoth linemen he he talked about that um talked about how the smallest of his linemen are you know that he recruited this past year were 350 um and 67 and so you know he's got confidence and if that's the way he's talking to his team and he says we've got to be intentional to be to be able to be a champion then you know, and that they've got to be the hunters and not the hunted because you can't, you know, you can't sneak up on anybody anymore. And, and I like it.
1: I do too. And I think he is, you know, he's saying a lot of the things that Tom Herman said, I think, um, going into the 2020 season before COVID, um, now, the difference is with Steve Sarkeesian, I say that and Texas, fans are probably like, what are you talking about? Let's just hear me out. The difference with Steve Sarkeesian is he has had the same message as what Tom Herman came into, but it's been more relatable and it's been something that players buy into, not something that players are like, you know, kind of dislike you because you're so over the top with it, he's been really intentional with the way he has built this culture, built this program, built this roster. And at the end of the day, the way he's building the roster is something that can sustain not just in the SEC, but it's a, it's a long-term sustainable type of plan as so long as they can get the needs that they do have. Um, you know, the fact that they have this different, I mean, you look at this Texas team, Chip, the offensive line and defensive line specifically, Compared to you know some of the other coaches we've seen, even in Mac Brown's time, it is night and day difference. They they don't look like the same offensive line. They don't look like the same defensive line. I mean, my goodness, I saw Tavandre Sweat post a picture of himself on Instagram. I think it was last week. And he's in front of this big truck. I don't know what type of truck it is, but this is a not normal sized truck lifted and everything and i looked at it and i was like my god he fills up more than like a third of the front of this massive grill that's like a huge truck it's just totally different their way that they are building this roster and i think as we've said before on the flagship podcast this is one of the only times i feel like in my career you've said one of the few times you know in recent years covering texas that we feel that it's not unfair for us to say that this is a big 12 title ch- or um, team or bus or type of year or bus for Steve Sarkeesian because of the way they are building this roster and, um, you know, trying to make it sustainable for the future. I like hearing him be confident too, though, because the one thing we haven't seen with Steve Sarkeesian is too much coach speak. His coach speak is him not saying much or avoiding answering a question or, you know, spinning it in a different way. Like, you know, obviously we're, you know, excited for the future, but we've got the, you know, like there's always been some sort of caveat, I think, when he gets asked um, some tough questions and I feel like he's approaching it head on. And it's hard for me to think that that's coach speak right now, Chip, and maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I mean, it just seems legit. I don't think he'd say it if he didn't truly feel it.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. And, and I think Sarkeesian has been, you know, for in a world of coach speak, I think he's been pretty on the level. Um, and he's, and look, you've got if, if the coach doesn't believe it, it's hard for the players to believe it. And, um, it was always interesting to me that Mac Brown would always talk about 10 win seasons, and Bob Stoops always talked about championships. Yeah. And when you talk about championships it's like our buddy Sean Adams used to say you get what you demand. You mm-hmm. you don't get what you earn, you don't you don't get what you deserve. You you get what you demand. And if the coach is talking in terms of being intentional and you're going to have to do all the little things and you're going to have to be extra disciplined because championships don't come easy. Um, and this, and that's where this team's mindset is. Then, okay, I'm all, I'm all in because it's been a minute. It's been a minute. Like you said, Tom Herman had that that kind of Urban Meyer, uh, not wannabe, but clone Urban Meyer clone mentality, yeah. where you're gonna use fear as a as a motivating you know factor, which Even Urban Meyer has said he doesn't think works in the age of the transfer portal. And that's why he went to the NFL and hasn't returned to college coaching that, you know, the transfer portal has changed the game. And Steve Sarkeesian addressed the transfer portal yesterday, Taylor. He said, the one thing I have to draw the line on is if you tell me you're going into the portal, you're never coming back because I can't have guys testing the waters and Check in to see who else is interested, and maybe there's a better spot somewhere else. You tell me you're going into the portal, you're done. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I mean, the coaches are trying to manage their rosters, they're trying to have certainty and, you know, who, who, how many players they have and in what positions.
1: I mean, what's your, I saw some backlash that he got for Samex. I think he said it on an interview. Uh, like a um, a a show um, prior to the speaking event on Wednesday, there were some people that were saying, you know, you got a second chance in life, um, you know, with him going to rehab and all that. I, I mean, I personally think it's like totally different, right? Like, I think that's what coaches have to do because it's a choice to enter the transfer portal. It's not like they're forcing kids into the transfer portal and then saying, sorry, you can't come back type of thing. It's if a player really wants to test the waters and goes to the lengths of entering his name into the portal and thinking that there's a, you know, greener, uh, the grass is greener on the other side. It's like, that's great. Best of luck to you, but you're not coming back because what type of culture is that? What type of example is that setting? What type of culture is that bringing in back into the locker room? To me, it almost is similar to the culture that Steve Sarkeesian basically had to work over a year to beat out of these players because it was just such a like not all in type of team mentality. I feel like that's only going to continue if coaches allow players to enter the transfer portal and then come back. So that's a terrible example. I don't know why he was getting backlash. I was like, that's, that's should be the standard. I mean, you know, you can't just in a marriage, you can't just be like, Hey, I'm going to go test the waters and maybe go date some other people just to see if I can find something better but you need to be here for me in case I want to come back. Yeah. Is that normal? No. no. <laughs> like, so.
0: No. And if, and if you're, you know, if you have any kind of relationship with your coach, you're going to go to him and talk to him about it ahead of time. And, and then maybe the coach says, Hey, think about this mm-hmm. before you do it, you know, kind of the arterio Morris situation with Texas basketball. Um, Arterio Morris kind of just went and got in the portal and didn't really go to the coaching staff and talk to him about it. And, and the Texas coaching staff is like, okay, good luck. You know, um, and I don't, I don't know how it's working for Arterio. Honestly, I think there was one school he thought he would end up at and they're not pulling the trigger. Um, and yet anyway. And it's so, you, you know, as a student athlete, you got to have a good relationship with your coach. You got to be able to go to them and say, Hey, I'm thinking about this um, and have a conversation. If you don't, then how are they going to have sympathy for you? Yeah. How are they going to have sympathy for you? If you don't have the, you know, Sarkeesian talks all the time about how after, after spring, after, you know, the, Winter conditioning, he's always checking in with players, telling them what they need to work on and where he sees them in the program at that particular time and how much work it's going to take to get ahead of that guy and that guy. And if they don't want to do that or they don't see it in their future, then they get in the transfer portal and move on. Um, You know, it's interesting. Deion Sanders is getting criticism right now for – Apparently, allegedly, according to reports, telling players who were not thinking about transferring to get into the portal and transfer, and that's that's tough. You that's that's a tough way to go about things. Um, So
1: yeah, especially in Dion's case, at a you know he's not really proven himself as an FBS head coach, and you know Colorado's not some powerhouse that's going to easily bring tons of other guys. And I mean, yeah, it, that's Dion may be able to get away with that message now and sell, you know, coach prime, but if that doesn't work for a few years, it's not going to, he's not going to be coach prime at Colorado. I'd say that, you know, and so, and only like a Dion could probably do that. Normal coaches can't do that. I don't think.
0: Right. I I will never doubt Dion uh, (laughs) because of his unbelievable, abilities as a player and the amount of confidence he has but you got to be careful it cuts both ways I guess is what I'm saying and 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 so you know Sarkisian mentioned that he I, probably the story that's getting the most attention from the 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 you know comments that Sarkisian made in front of the touchdown club of Houston came when a person in the audience asked so how much NIL money did Arch Manning cost us? And Sark said, zero. You want a story on this? I got it. And he proceeded to talk about how, you know, Arch, he got he got a text. Sarkisian got a text from, from Cooper Manning, Arch's dad, shortly after Arch committed, as Sarkisian said, out of the blue one morning at 9 a.m., Uh, He got a text from Cooper Manning shortly thereafter that said, um, let this be, you know, a message to the other kids you're recruiting that Arch is picking Texas because he loves Texas and not because of NIL. And then Sarkeesian said that um, Arch's grandfather, Archie Manning, the former Ole Miss legendary quarterback, Saints quarterback said that Arch shouldn't take any NIL money until he becomes a player, a starter. And so, you know, it's an old school way of looking at things. Obviously the Mannings are not hurting. Yeah. Um but interesting stuff because everyone talks about the NIL valuations of certain players and Arch Manning has like a 3 million dollar NIL valuation and it wasn't it wasn't part of um, according to Steve Sarkisian, it was zero uh, part of the recruitment. So, yeah. um, interesting. Well, I mean,
1: the, the funny thing is, because I've seen a lot of headlines. I mean, first of all, Sark made the right decision in saying it cost us zero NIL dollars because schools are not supposed to pay NIL dollars to prospects. I understand where, like, you know, the question was going. But it all, I mean, Chip, how many times did we talk about whether it was on the flagship podcast or away from it just having conversations of like laughing at these type of comments that we would see like oh how much is Texas going to buy Arch Manning for like he's going to go wherever the highest or to the highest bidder then he commits to Texas and that's what like all of the other fan base like oh Texas won the bidding war and it's like do y'all think the Manning family needs money like like let's just truly look at this person normally yes I understand that this could be a very common storyline when it comes to top rated recruits but it happened to Quinn Ewers I mean my goodness when he was at Texas or committed Texas and ended up going to Ohio State this is the Manning family the most legendary like family in all of college football NFL football I mean we are talking about multi-multi-multi-multi-multi-multi-millionaires And we're going to say that Arch Manning is going to go to the place that is the highest bidder. No, the whole thing was always about him going where he felt that he was going to be developed the best and not have to be the savior early on in his career. That's why he chose Texas. I know everyone wants to say that we were lying or, you know, that's uh, the Texas spin on things. No, that's not the Texas spin on things. That is the truth of the situation there.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, And Sark has said on more than one occasion I'm not interested if a kid if the first thing he's talking about is NIL money. I'm not interested because yeah. he's not invested. He's not invested in, in the programs, not invested in the culture. He's not invested in his teammates. Um, and so it's, uh, and it look, it's out there. It's out there. It, there are players who, you know, are get on campus, have a productive year and then are like, okay, where's, where's the NIL opportunity folks. And, and then the collective rallies and says, okay, well, how about doing some of this? And we'll give you some of that. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's more the way it should be. Right. You know, rather than, you know, I mean, I had a lawmaker say that Quinn Ewers got 1.4 million in NIL money to go to Ohio state. Uh, The guy who wrote the bill that's going through the legislature right now that would allow high schoolers to receive NIL money in the state of Texas um, said that. And he's from that, you know, South Lake area where Quinn's from. And, you know, I don't think Quinn um, wants to even talk about that, you know, and and since he's been at Texas, you know, he's been real. Um, and I don't know what car he's driving this week, but um, you know, he's, he's not uh, wanted to talk about it. And I think that he's, you know, all about the culture of being a teammate and trying to, to elevate the program. And and I think Steve Sarkeesian feels really good about the fact that he's been able to bring in a top flight quarterback um, each year. And in, in the Quinn Ewers, Malik Murphy case too, in the same year. And he said, we're going to continue to recruit the best quarterbacks to come here because um they push each other and they, you know, they get their opportunity um to compete and, and try and beat, you know, the other guys out. He said of Malik Murphy and Arch Manning, I know he said, you know, Quinn, you barring, something crazy happening is what he said. Quinn Ewers will be our starter. He said, that's not to say that Malik Murphy and Arch Manning aren't going to, you know, push him to the brink and, you know, try and overtake him. And, and they should. Yeah. And, you know, he said, we finally have seen Malik Murphy healthy and he looks, he looked really good in the spring game. So, um, you know, that's the one that Malik Murphy deserves a little credit here. Cause uh, trust me his people got calls about hey any second thoughts cuz we got some uh, NIL opportunity over here <laughs> and and Malik Murphy is is uh you know staying true to Texas and staying true to what brought him to Texas so um that kid deserves a big big pat on the back and he's got a lot of confidence too so loaded yeah. quarterback room
1: it is. And he deserves a big pat on the back, knowing that Steve Sarkeesian told Malik Murphy, who was verbally committed to Texas at the time that they were going to try to go to the transfer portal to get a quarterback. that was, you know, obviously Quinn Ewers.
0: It's going to be fun to watch and you got to have, you got to have talent in your quarterback room more than just your starter. So uh, we know that. Well, let's uh, let's go to some comments over here. Um, yeah, we want Bama for real in week two. Um, yeah, this is uh here's one that says, uh, mark the fact that Texas almost won back-to-back natties, uh, in 08 and 09 with crappy O lines and running backs. Okay. Well, you know, I'm sure those guys really appreciate that comment. Adam Yulatosky, Kyle Hicks, Michael Huey. Um, I wouldn't say crappy. I mean, they struggled uh at times. They certainly struggled against Andomak and Sue and Jared Crick.
1: Oh gosh. Uh
0: when Colt McCoy was thrown all over um Cowboys uh Jerry World. But yeah, it um it proves that Colt McCoy was that dude. And now we're we're waiting to see if Quinn Ewers, Malik Murphy or Arch Manning is that dude. You know, someone did Taylor, someone did ask Sark about you know, what precipitated Quinn Ewers cutting his mullet and trimming his beard? And Sarkeesian said, coaching. <laughs> and he said, no, just kidding. He said, but he, he said he did, you know, talk to Quinn and, and said, I don't want your appearance to precede you. Um, meaning that if people look at you and see you and the way you look for them to draw conclusions about who you are and, you know, let them get to know you for you. And he said, he felt like Quinn took that to heart. Next time he saw him, no mullet beard trimmed. And, and we know Quinn has been, you know, working really hard, uh, remaking his body. You can see that. And I know he's been working with a nutritionist. I've written about that in the insider at horns, 247com Um, And he's, he's determined. I mean, he's absolutely determined. He said it after the spring game. I felt like I let most of the fans down. I don't want that to ever happen again. Um, and so Sarkeesian's got a, a hungry uh, quarterback room and uh, let's, let's see, this says uh, after 13, oh, let's just, pull it up here David Williams after 13 years I'll be sold on UT when they finally win a conference championship I will say it's hard for me to believe there's been a starting roster with more talent at UT since the mid-2000s and Taylor you hit on that I mean we we agree
1: yeah a hundred percent agree I think that that's the reason why we are speaking in a way about Texas football and expectations this offseason that's been different than any years past I mean there's been you know there's been a lot of talent i don't want it to i don't want it to come off like we are saying that texas has had you know the talent has been a bust or that hasn't been good or anything there has been talented players to come through texas in the last 10 years um the but the teams problem- were always
0: missing something
1: exactly and more times than not it was in the trenches it was up front the the big uglies the guys that you know that don't really get the credit where credit is due, but there's a reason why the NFL pays a premium dollar amount for those guys when they are the elite of the elite. You have to win up front in order to win games in college football, especially if you're going into the SEC. And this is a good year for Texas to kind of, you know, see what, what this team can be and how SEC ready it is. Um, And I feel like there's, you know, the sense of urgency is there both among the staff and the players, knowing that this is kind of a proven, not just from, you know, wanting to win the Big 12 in the final year that Texas is in it, but to prove if they can do that and say, this is why we are deserving of being in the best, you know, uh, conference in college football. And it wasn't just you know, them just wanting to add us for money only. I mean, they, they, I think they have to prove themselves before they get to the sec and a great way to prove yourself before then is winning the big 12 championship this year. And I think they're, they're set up to do so.
0: Yeah. A lot of momentum is riding on this season. I mean, yeah. S- Sark has not made many mistakes since the five and seven season in terms of, you know, coaching hires and recruiting, and recruiting out of the portal. And um, Sark did say yesterday to the Touchdown Club of Houston, he's not crazy about the second window uh, for the transfer portal, the one that opened on April 15th and will close at the end of the month. He says, That so you're telling me that you're going to have players who've been through your winter conditioning program, your spring, know your schemes, know your signals. And can go get in the portal and go play for someone else he's like Yeah, okay um i guess it cuts both ways but sark said he's only interested in going to the portal to fill a specific need he doesn't want to ever think of the portal as the place to go to find his talent it, he wants that to be high school and for it to be developed and if there's a specific need or a special talent, which he alluded to, and Ad Mitchell, the receiver at Georgia, who happens to be from Houston, um, and has friends on the Texas roster, and and has a, a child in Houston, and wanted to get back closer to home. Um, that sometimes lends itself to, uh, to going and grabbing an Ad Mitchell out of the portal, Taylor. I mean. That guy's caught touchdown passes in four college football playoff games.
1: Yeah, I think you saw his uh, at least how well he can catch the ball in the spring game with that one-handed, almost looked like an Odell Beckham Jr. type of catch. Um, you know, in the touchdown there. Yeah, I mean that's that's what the you know ideally I think that would be what every coach would want the portal to be used for, not just not necessarily to build a roster off of. But to fill the holes of your current roster, and Steve Sarkisian's done that better, I think, than probably anyone in the last. I mean, it, it, maybe that's too bold of a statement for me to say. It probably is. Um, but he's up there with among the the top, you know, coaches to really be able to utilize the transfer portal in a way that is really beneficial and picking up, you know, crucial crucial players at key positions like Quinn Ewers, like Ryan Watts. Um, like Jalen Catalan, I mean, you know, that's a guy, I know he has so many questions about his, how his sustainability because of his injury history, but that's a player you risk the chance like of maybe never having him be healthy in the event that you can actually use him because he's so good, you know? And I think one thing too, Chip, with the way that, you know, other States have kind of come into the state of Texas. Other schools outside of the state have come into the state of Texas to recruit in here. I kind of feel like Steve Sarkeesian has done a really good job in bringing some of those players that left the state back into the state of Texas. Like, you know, the Quinn Ewers, the Ryan Watts, Jalen Catalan, A.D. Mitchell has ties there. I mean, there's there's a lot of players that have left the state and come back. And it's hard not to wonder if Steve Sarkeesian is kind of using that. Um, you know, as a benefit to Texas in recruiting some of these top players out of the transfer portal, he
0: is. He said he is. You know, mm-hmm. he said we're to, you know we're going to go into the portal, address a specific need, and usually there will be a tie back, either to the state of Texas or to someone on our roster. Mm-hmm. So no no doubt about it. And um, he's been he's been pretty surgical uh, in his ability to find talent in the transfer portal um here's an interesting comment from longhorn in 2021 ut had Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson and they were 5 and 7 in 2022 they went 8 and 5 yeah. uh, what changed they had the the great back so what upgraded on the offense to help them go 8 and 4 it, it there wasn't an upgrade on offense the quarterback was a first year player it was the defense that upgraded, uh, tremendously in, you know, in, uh, in 2022 to help them, you know, to the eight wins. And so,
1: well, I think the offensive line too. the offensive line line. was better, even though it was younger and more inexperienced, it was better than the offensive line Texas had in 2021, in my opinion,
0: and the running game was better.
1: Mm -hmm. The running
0: game clearly was better in 2022 than it was in 2021. And a big part of that was the offensive line, the passing game suffered. And, Mm -hmm. and that, that was because of the confidence loss that Quinn Ewers suffered starting with that Oklahoma state game. Um, and he, look, Quinn Ewers played well the next week against K state, especially in the first half K state ended up being the big 12 champion. Um, you know, I like Quinn Ewers. I like the way he's battled and, and, you know, tried to be resilient. He, he hadn't seen three high safeties before, um, before f- Iowa State, you know, that was a, that was a tough game. And he, he made plays when he had to make them the fourth down touchdown pass to Xavier Worthy. Remember that because Iowa State was driving to win the game when, um, you know, Anthony Cook slams into, uh, uh Hunter Deckers and forces the fumble that Jalen Ford recovers um right there in Texas's end of the field late in the game. So uh that defense came up big and um and you know I think everything goes up, and part of the reason Steve Steve Sarkeesian's bullish about it is because he's got coaching retention.
1: Mm-hmm. All of
0: his defensive coaches have stayed, and he's you know, had to change out a receiver coach the last two years. He brought in Tashard Choice two years ago. Tashard Choice is a rising star. Um, So, you know, that's – I think that's why people are bullish on on Texas.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I remember, you know, talking about Quinn Ewers and the first time seeing that three-high safety look. I remember um, my father-in-law, who's a 30-year-plus coach in the state of Texas, had said – He was like, I've seen all these people, you know, questioning what, what happened to Quinn Ewers? What's, you know, is he just like that injury shook him or something like that? He's like, you want to know what happened to Quinn Ewers in those games? That's the first time Quinn Ewers ever seen that defense. He's like, there's a big difference in facing that type of defense. You know, when, especially if you've never seen it and you don't see it in the high school ranks, you don't, that's not how deep or, you know, high school, especially in, at least in the state of Texas, he said no high school defenses play that way. So it was a first for him. Um, And what you hope to see is he learns from it, you know, And, and it seems like everything else that had been a first, you know, even just the way he approached studying and being in the film room and preparing as a starter, that was all a first for him last year, but he is preparing from all accounts that we've heard like a pro this year. So it'll be interesting to see kind of once he does face a, maybe a type of defense like Iowa state runs or something next season, how he does. Cause that'll be a measuring stick of really how, how much he is progressing from year one to year two, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. If I'm, if I'm Quinn Ewers, I'm studying those defenses like crazy right yeah. now and all, all summer long, because, you know, we got a lot of comments here about Alabama in in week two, and the fact that Texas is going to know and, you know, Steve Sarkeesian, um, I asked him, I said, does having Alabama uh, in week two help to manage your team from, you know, getting too high on itself? Because everyone's loving them up right now, telling them they're the favorite to win the Big 12. But yet you got Alabama in week two. And he said, yeah. He said, yeah. I mean, third week of training camp, he said, you throw that Alabama out there, um, they're training. Their training is harder, probably harder than you are right now, so what are you going to do about it? And and so, you know, that's one of the pluses to having those big marquee non-conference games, Taylor, is that, man, they grab your players' attention through the summer and through fall camp to be on point. If, if they were just playing Rice and, you know, Louisiana Monroe – There'd be a real, you know, chance of guys getting fat and happy.
1: Yeah, maybe enter, like, top five, in the, you know, rankings or something if they are looking good against those opponents. Yeah, no, I mean, this is why you want to schedule. And this is why you schedule those games early on, too. Because, regardless, in my opinion, regardless of how Texas plays against Alabama, the outcome of that game, it does not in any way erase – Texas from the picture of potentially, you know, being one of the four teams in the college football playoff, and it doesn't impact at all the Texas chances of, you know, playing for a big 12 title. So, but it, it's good to get those out of the way because you have so many weeks to prove yourself from there, especially if you don't have a good game against Alabama to prove to the voters, you know, here, here we are, but it, it's a good measuring stick for sure. Um, I mean, what's your take? What it's so early, it's hard to say this. Do you like Texas chances against Alabama?
0: I do. I mean, Alabama um, just raided Notre Dame for a quarterback. I mean, that tells me they are not sold on Jalen Milroe And Jalen Milrow, uh, who was a Texas commitment, you know, had to play for Alabama last year and did a lot of damage with his legs. Now you, Bill O'Brien just left as, just, as the offensive coordinator to go back to the um, – you know, New England Patriots. And so Sark, I mean, Sark Saban once again, and the guy's a master because he has won, you know, season after season with teams rating his staff for head coaches, you know, Kirby smart, um, Lane Kiffin, you know, Steve Sarkeesian and, and he Jimbo, I mean, God, the list goes on, and he's had to replace them, and he keeps winning, and that's a testament to Saban's culture. But I don't know that they have the lethal quarterback after Bryce Young. So um, I do – I think Texas is in that game, absolutely. And I and I think – I want to see how the running back situation is shaping up in fall camp. I think Jonathan Brooks is a really talented dude. I think it's his job to, to lose. Um, I just want to make sure he's – back and healthy and looking as good as he's looked in the past. Uh, Otherwise, I think it can be that that could enter into Sarkeesian's thinking about how he calls the games. If he knows he's got a running back, he can count on to go get third and two, uh, fourth and one. Then, you know, then he'll run it twice and play four downs if he's on the opponent's side of the field. If he doesn't have that guy who can go get third and two or fourth and one, well, then then he starts throwing the ball a lot. And look, he may have the quarterback and the receivers to do it. He did not last year. Uh, he may have it this year, but that's a that's a tricky way to live. We know that, um, you know, our Bryles changed from the air raid to the bear raid where he you know, moved the receivers way out to the, almost to the sidelines so that he could run the football against a light box because he got tired of trying to throw it 60 times a game to win championships. And um, so nonetheless, you got to be able to run the football and we'll see. We'll see. I, other than that, Taylor, I, I like this team. And Sarkeesian talked about the defense, the players he mentioned when asked at the touchdown club of Houston, Jalen Ford, Jadé Baron, Baron Sorel, Ryan Watts. Those were the four players that were top of mind for him. And I make a big deal about that. Like when we ask a coach a question, you know, who's standing out? I asked him the question about who's rushed who's rushed the passer well this spring and he said, you know, the first two names you know that popped into his head were Byron Murphy and Anthony Hill. Right. Okay. We know he loves Baron Sorrell, but now he's talking about Byron Murphy and Anthony Hill. Okay. All right. I'm filing that away. Yeah. Anthony Hill's going to be a a factor in in this thing. So, um, and he said yesterday, Anthony Hill's going to be a star. That's what he said. So. Chip,
1: you're like so excited. You're like, yes, he said my my uh 2023 man crush Anthony Hill is gonna be faster.
0: <laughs> I just like watching that kid knife through the line and I do too, yeah. Man, he studies. He studies the game, he knows where the play is going, he reads his keys. And for a freshman, you know, we haven't seen an impact guy as a freshman, like a freak impact guy since Tony Brackens in 1993. He had 10 sacks as a freshman, you know, Ken Anthony Hill. Uh, push that because Texas hasn't had a 10 sack guy since uh, what Jackson Jeffcoat in 2013.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think that's right. And
0: That's too, that's too many years, folks. All right, Taylor, are you ready for some love it or leave it?
1: I am before we get to love it or leave it. We're going to take a really quick break, but stay tuned. We have plenty more football talk and uh Bijan Robinson talk coming up. We'll be right back. Real quick here, there is a question from Jeff. I am apologize. I'm going to butcher your last name. With, with whom? any concerns for our, any concern for our 24 recruiting class? I haven't seen any significant names on the commit list recently. Feel like Texas had more momentum for the 23 class at this time last year. Um, I mean, obviously, like Chip and I don't cover recruiting day in and day out like our guys um, Mike Roach and Hudson Standish. They're the ones that know, you know, that's why you subscribe to Horns 24-7. They have the VIP insight on that. But I will say Texas momentum and recruiting in 2023, I think that at this point they had more verbal commitments, but it really didn't take off until Arch Manning committed in June. In and yeah. yeah, in the summertime. And I think it was like late June that he committed. And then that is where everything just really kind of the snowball effect started from there. Um I I don't want to misspeak. I think Texas has fewer commits right now than they did at this time last year. Um, But there are, you know, this is kind of the evaluation period for the recruiting cycle. Coaches are going to be more able to see players on the road. There's going to be a visit period coming up too in June. Like So there's a lot coming up still, but I think they're a little behind.
0: And they're also going after the best players at their position in the nation, and those kids don't like to commit early, most of them. Right, most, now, yeah. Some of them do. You know, Arch Manning, he was over the recruiting process; he committed yeah. in June. But you're in on Jared, uh Gibson, the number one running back in the nation. You're in on um, Micah, um, the top receiver in the in the nation. You know, so
1: look, Micah Hudson.
0: Micah Hudson. So you're, you're, you know, some of these kids are not going to, you know, they're not going to rush it. They want to, they want to take it all in, make an informed decision. They don't have to pull the trigger till December. So don't, don't get too caught up in that. Um, and I know there was a offensive lineman, Blake Frazier uh, from the state of Texas, who, you know, committed to Michigan, his dad played at Michigan. So sometimes there's, there's a reason that, mm-hmm. That a kid who's you know super talented from your state commits somewhere else, oh, his dad played there.
1: Yeah. So, all right. Exactly. <laughs> all right. Ready for Love it or leave it. Sorry, I saw that one and I wanted to. No, it's good. Get to it. So, all right. Love it or leave it. Number one for you. Love it or leave it. You appreciate that Steve Sarkeesian is talking publicly about how his players expect to win the Big Twelve Championship in Texas' final year in the conference.
0: I, I I absolutely love this. I think the fact that Steve Sarkeesian said about three times yesterday, we have to be intentional about going after this championship. We need to talk about it because we need to prepare mm-hmm. as if we're going to win this championship. And I like that. I mean, some coaches don't want to, you know, oh, I don't want to get ahead of myself or – What, you're going to draw a bigger target on Texas?
1: Yeah. (laughs) Come on,
0: man. They're going to the SEC. The Big 12 hates them. They want every – you don't think Houston wants to cook some Bevo burgers down at (laughs) at Cougar High in in, uh, when they meet up? I mean, look, Sark knows we're already the biggest game on everyone's schedule. Let's be intentional about trying to win the championship, and let me get these guys who are – And I I can't help but think, Taylor, when he talks about Malik Murphy, we need him to stay healthy, that he's going back to that damn scooter accident from last year during the season, not, I mean, 21 when he had the broken ankle and then he's recovering from the broken ankle and then he gets in the scooter accident and, Mm he, you know, messes up his wrist. That's, that's Sark saying, be a professional. Don't put yourself in dumb situations. Don't, I don't want to see you guys jumping off the cliff into the water out at Lake Austin, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. like prepare for a championship, be intentional. I love this. How about you?
1: Yeah, I love it too. And I agree. And as somebody who was in a scooter accident, there was a reason why I told Bijan Robinson. What was it? Two years ago when I saw him in a scooter, I was like, Bijan, I want to kick that over right now. It's like, I was in an accident and I was fortunate and it sucked. You are worth way more money than I would ever be worth. Like get your butt off of that scooter. (laughs) I guess he upgraded to a Lamborghini, but yeah, no, I, I, I I like it. Um, I do like the kind of intentional call out without intentionally calling players out, you know, specifically, because you're right. If you're Malik Murphy, he has to, he has to prepare like a pro and preparing like a pro. Sometimes you have to make sacrifices, maybe not do the fun things like riding scooters, or as you said, jumping off the cliffs or anything like that. Um, you know, because you never know when your number is going to be called. And Malik Murphy witnessed a backup quarterback's number being called last year and needing to be ready. And so I, you know, from everything we know about Malik Murphy, I would be shocked if that message has not landed yeah. very firmly in message. him. Yeah, he got the message. So all that's a message.
0: Yeah. And by I, I the way, I, I found out what happened to his foot um, right before spring football. He got stepped on um, in, you know, when they're like running through their, their, you know, those pseudo practices and it got him, you know, he got a cleat right in the wrong spot. So that, that wasn't his fault. The scooter thing though. I think Sark is like, don't let me, don't, don't jeopardize. (laughs) All right. Love it or leave it. Number two.
1: Second one, love it or leave it. It was a good move by Sarkeesian to also talk publicly about how Arch Manning was promised, quote, zero NIL dollars as part of his recruitment.
0: Yeah, I'm going to love this too because, you know, the all you hear at Texas A&M is that, you know, these kids got promised a bunch of NIL opportunity and then the money wasn't coming through. Yeah. And the players were basically like, we're on strike Till we get our money. I mean, they're smoking weed in the locker room. They don't care. Yeah. Where's my money. And that's the problem. And that's what Sark's talking about. I mean, if, if you come for the money, you're not invested in the team. You're not invested in, you know, your teammates. Right. And it's about you. And so I think this was a, a, a smart thing because like you said earlier in the show, Taylor, everyone had this assumption that, oh my god you know arch manning's gonna cost him a fortune (laughs) and you know no zero uh i love this taylor how about you
1: yeah i love it i mean we knew all along it was almost like it became a running joke i mean honestly the amount of times i would just like shake my head when i saw people make those comments even other like writers and reporters like insinuating that played a role it's like you are just showing me that you don't know what actually played a role in this because it had nothing to do with it. So I'm glad that Steve Sarkeesian publicly debunked it. I guess uh, Cooper Manning did as well as, you know, mentioning um, that story too. So, yeah, I mean, this is, this was the truth all along. We were not lying. We were not trying to just, you know, pass along texas message and saying that it wasn't about nil with arch manning this was the real story and so i'm glad that steve Sarkeesian had a platform to debunk it um, in such a public manner
0: yeah all right good love it or leave it number three
1: all right last one for you love it or leave it bijan robinson will go down as texas best running back in the nfl since jamal charles
0: you know I'm not gonna put a ceiling on this, so I'm gonna leave this and say Bijan Robinson could go down as Texas's best running back ever in the NFL. He has that kind of toolbox, and so um I'm not saying he will because you gotta have health, you gotta have longevity, you gotta go to a good team, a team that values you, a team that uses you the right way. Um, you know, some would argue that Earl Campbell going to the Houston Oilers was um, maybe the worst thing that could have happened to him because bum Phillips, the head coach handed him the ball 30 times a game and, you know, just put Earl Campbell in a car accident, every play. Um, and, and so Earl had, uh, you know, what he played 78 to 85, he played seven years. Um, whereas, you know, Ricky Williams ends up playing 12 years, um, um, and, and on and on. So you need all those things to happen. You need fortune. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Bijan Robinson is a godly guy. He says God's going to put me right where I'm supposed to be. Well, hell, who am I to second guess <laughs> God? <laughs> yeah. God's going to put B. John Robinson. Might put him right on the Eagles playing for a Super Bowl next year. Because, um, again, we're recording before the draft on yes. Thursday, if you're listening to this, uh, after Thursday, uh, but I'm, I'm going to leave this Taylor. I think Bijan could, he could surpass them all. Um, your thoughts.
1: I'm kind of annoyed that you said that. Cause I for sure thought you were going to be like, Oh, love it every day. And I was gonna be like, I'm going to leave it. Cause I think he has a higher ceiling than just comparing him to Jamal Charles, yeah. uh, yeah. So I, I was not expecting that answer from you. Um, but yeah, no, I, I I will leave it in the fact that I have higher expectations um, for Bijan Robinson, mainly because he is so he's in a, a category of his own. I will say that. And as you mentioned, it's a great point about, you know, everything has to kind of go your way, whether it's. You know, the coach you're playing for, the type of offense that you're in, the philosophy of utilizing a running back, the philosophy of utilizing a running back in multiple ways, like what Bijan Robinson provides that some other just true traditional running backs do not provide. Um, you know, Vince Young is an example of somebody who went to a team that was just the wrong fit from the beginning, and he couldn't really ever fix it, you know. And I mean, I think that was a little different. I do think with Vince, he was a little his talent's and skills were a little bit premature for the NFL at the time had he been drafted like 5 years later i think Vince Young would have had a much longer NFL uh, career just cuz the league wasn't really about pro style or about you know dual threat quarterbacks or running quarterbacks like what Vince Young was so good at but, but- you're
0: right too jeff fisher as a coach was the quarterback killer
1: yeah and, and he
0: killed he killed a bunch of quarterback careers
1: right yeah so Yeah, I think um, so long as all of that works, you know, and and Bijan is put in a place that is going to utilize all of the weapons that he does provide, I think he has a higher ceiling than Jamal Charles and I would say probably Cedric Benson, Ricky Williams. He doesn't uh, partake in the partying, I think, too, which helps him. So um, that's something that also goes his way.
0: Um, Texas's NFL leading running back in terms of receptions is ricky williams with 342 i will take the over for bijan robinson when it's all said and done all right folks good stuff good stuff appreciate y'all tuning into the flagship podcast we like doing these live shows we'll we'll do more of them um i hope uh, yes, absolutely. I think they're fun too. You know what I'm saying?
1: They are fun. Um,
0: but uh yeah, thanks for all the questions, everybody. And um, and make sure you're getting over to horns247.com. We broke the the story about the new indoor outdoor football practice facility more than a year ago.
1: Yeah. Just Texas been talking about it. it.
0: Yeah, Texas announced it a week ago. We've been talking about it for a year. Told you exactly <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: told you exactly where it was gonna go. Um told you why it was going to go there and and now it and we're the only ones reporting that it's probably not going to be constructed until the end of 25 or early 26 uh but hey it's coming and uh, apparently Mac Brown was uh walking around the the uh, complex Tuesday Taylor he's got that Mac Jack and McConaughey
1: oh yeah event. they
0: have Garth Brooks playing at freaking moody theater. How about Garth Brooks in a 2,500 seat venue?
1: How do you I get will... tickets to that? I don't Man, know. How that please. Works. <laughs> um,
0: but Mac, you know, was like ch- taking in the South end for the first time and looking at the plans for the, the new practice facility. And Mac's like, Oh, they're getting rid of that bubble. Finally. <laughs> Mac wanted that thing gone. After they won the national, I think it was constructed in like 2000 and, and Mac wanted it gone after the national championship. He's like, okay, let's go. Let's (laughs) get some new practice facilities. But anyway. Yeah. All right. Good stuff, everybody. Um, For Taylor Estes, I am Chip Brown. Uh, Until next time, we'll see you over at Horns247.com. Stay safe and keep the faith.